Hello, everyone, and welcome to Monday night segment of Horse Life Chronicles Radio with myself, Julia Syracusa, and Philip Syracusa. We're broadcasting live from the International Public Radio and the United Paranormal Radio Network on 105.3 FM from New Orleans and also 107.7 FM from New Orleans. This evening's show is fully sponsored by Carnation, so we want to thank them for their sponsorship. Well, we have to do, do a few things in order to participate. Go over to our YouTube channel, UFO Paranormal Radio. You can also go into all of the Facebook stations, UFO Paranormal Radio Network, UFO Undercover with Joe Montalzo. News on the flip side, also Twitch, SoundCloud, and Podbeam. Um, you can also go over to our group, Horsefly Chronicles Radio. And remember, we are now on Roku. And there's no chat in Roku, just remember that. And if you have any questions for our amazing guest over there, please ask. So tonight, guys, please welcome our friend, Miss Christina George, to the show. She is a psychic medium who has been investigating everything paranormal for over 15 years in the public eye and has had paranormal experiences for over 50 years. She's had two near-death experiences that changed the way she looks at life and death. She has helped so many people, including children, to try to understand what they were experiencing. And she's in, been featured in many books and the Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures and has been on countless radio shows. She also started a radio show of her own, a Paranormal Connection, that she's had for quite a few years. So please welcome her to the show. Welcome. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. It's been a long time, so I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. I am just trying to figure out a few things, so please bear with me a little bit tonight. Um, so, Christina, you've had so much stuff happen to you. Um, if anyone really does not know you, take us to the beginning of your story. I mean, when did you really start to notice that you could talk to the other side and 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 you know see dead people <laughs> first yeah about is the earliest um i can remember is four years old and so that's that's my first memory uh they've never gone away since uh started out uh, very nonchalantly nothing that scared me nothing bad i had an older lady and two little girls that I used to see all the time in the house that we lived in. Um, seemed very normal. I mean, I did, you know, tell my mom that I was seeing these people and like most parents did in my age, just said, oh, you know, those are imaginary friends, you know, don't really put anything on it. So that's just kind of what I thought they were for a very, very long time. So never had any bad experiences during childhood. Wasn't until my teenage years. Um, I had an encounter with some new friends I had met. They wanted me, they wanted to test my abilities. And so they invited me over, which was very exciting because it was the first sleepover I had ever had in my life because I was very awkward in school. I was a social butterfly but nobody really knew what to think of me. Like I was 
a cheerleader. I was on the swim team. Uh, I was also in like a lowrider gang. So <laughs> you never knew what you got with Christina. And I hung out in the cemetery every single day during the week because my mom worked across the street. So people didn't really know what how to deal with me. But I found a group of like golf kids that just happened to be hanging out in the cemetery. Uh, they were very interested in what I had to say instead of being afraid. And I was invited over for a sleepover. During that sleepover, the whole test uh, was they brought me into this room where they had a Ouija board set up. And the whole premise was they were going to ask questions and they wanted me to answer before the board, you know, uh, gave the message. So I wasn't afraid of Ouija boards back then because every person I knew, every kid I knew, every parent I knew all had one in their board game closet. Like, I mean, it was just something normal. I just never had used one because I never had the need to. I could see things and I could talk to them. So I never really you know, was interested in learning about the Ouija board per se. So I did it, um, ended up with an attachment after that, uh, and kind of from my teenage years on forward, uh, I had all kinds of, all kinds of issues. Um, I became a cutter, you know, again, also not knowing that I had abilities, yeah. especially in your teenage years is rough it is very rough um I had no control over my abilities I didn't understand them and when things started going dark uh I really didn't know where to go to because nobody would listen uh I was brought up in Catholic church so we're always taught to go talk to the priest so I did that and instead of getting help I was told to stop you know bringing things like that up don't talk about stuff like that there's no such thing uh, it was just a very, very rough time, you know, during the teenage years, um, on into, you know, my adult years. And, um, I really tried my best to try to shut my abilities down the best I could and ignore them. Worked a little bit, but then I had a car accident. And during that time, um, I had a near death experience. And I was told it wasn't my time. I had to come back. And now this is the kicker. They said, not only did I have to come back, but now I have to go out and I have to be open with people about my abilities and I have to use them to help people. Wow. This was definitely not a time where being a psychic was something that was popular like it is now. You were shunned. You know, if you were a part of the team, you would be discredited, you'd be blacklisted, people wouldn't want to use you because they're, you know, you have a scammer, psychic on. Um, what a difference, you know, 15 years will make uh, for the paranormal field because now it seems like, well, I will say once uh, television started bringing psychics on, it was like a light bulb in the paranormal. And I literally overnight, and I don't know if you guys thought, cause you guys have been in the, the field a very long time too, but like everybody was like flipping the switch and, you know, changing their profile. Now they're psychic, you know, psychic medium so-and-so. And I'm just like, really? Like I've been knowing you for like 12 years and I've never known you to be a psychic, but now you're okay. You know, so it, yeah. even though it was good that like psychics were being more, understood and welcomed in the paranormal 
then it kind of flipped it right back because then you had all these people rushing in line to get some kind of attention or recognition, you know, I guess. So it's, it's been a very interesting journey. That's what I will definitely say for sure. And I guess that's what really um, made you really want to teach and help young children too, because you were yes. that young child that really didn't have, you know, too many people to go to. So yeah, that's, that's well, at the beginning, when I first started like publicly investigating with an actual team, uh, we got a lot of different clients that had children. And I was kind of seeing a repeat of what I went through as a child. Like, you know, the parents were like, I really don't believe that this is what's going on. Like, like can you tell me if my kid's crazy? Is there something you can tell them to, that's going to make all this go away? You know, it, so it was really not only just about helping the children to be able to kind of understand what's going on with them, be able to kind of learn to control what's going on around them so it's not scary but also to enlighten and teach the parents what's going on you know so that they get that support at home so that's that's been a huge part and when I first started with the first couple it was like wow like it was so amazing and the parents were just so grateful and I just thought like wow I you know this is something I need to do more mm -hmm. and eventually it just kind of started like I had so many kids and then we started doing like, you know, um, group video meetings so that they could get like their own little support group and they could, you know, Facebook each other and talk about the things that they're going on that they can't talk to their friends at school about. So it gave them another little support group of their peers, you know, so that I still do it, you know, here and there, but um, I'm, that was definitely a big step in my, you know, time in the paranormal and probably my proudest is, you know, being not only to help a lot of clients, but the kids, it's, it's huge. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. I mean, I know that Phil has had, you know, talk about near death experience. You had two, right? Yes. Um, what was the other one? How, how did that happen? So the first one I was young, maybe, eight or nine but uh my mom had put us taken us out of the catholic church and she had put us into the, the salvation army church <laughs> and so they had like this group for like kids and so they would take you out on little field trips and stuff like that me personally i think that they like hated the kids <laughs> because they decided the group to take us took us to San Francisco to Stinson Beach, which anybody who knows anything about California, it is has the most great white sharks oh. in all of California. Right. And they really don't want you to go in the water out there. But we're little kids. We don't know that. The adults know that. So why they would take us to Stinson Beach, I really still to this day have no idea. Um, but they took us and we all went down to the beach and the you know the adults were up unpacking the van and next thing I know I just like looked up there and I was like I see everybody waving their hands so you know I'm like hey what's up <laughs> and I couldn't hear what they were saying and before you know it this big wave came over the top of me sucked me out I was in an undertow 
So I like the more I was fighting it, like the more it was pulling me under and like, it was like being in a dryer. Like it was like literally just head over heels, like over and over and over. And one of my biggest fears is, well, one of them is drowning. The second one is being eaten by a great white shark, go figure. Um, and I was for sure thought, thought I was going to die. I mean, all of a sudden I saw a very bright light that came under the water and before I know it had enveloped me and this just very comforting voice just told me to relax. Everything was going to be okay. And at that point, next thing I know, I was pulled out by an adult pulled me to, to shore, you know, they did, you know, CPR on me to bring me out. And that was that, but you know, at that age, I didn't know anything about near death experiences. I could never explain what in the world that light was or anything that happened to me. But again, having a second one as an adult uh, was much different and, and very changed my way of, of looking at things for sure. Yeah. I want to so, uh, give a couple of people a shout out in the chat. And then, Phil, you can uh, ask questions. Yeah. So, Juan, hello, Christine Jones, Lorraine, and Pamela. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. So, I know, Phil, you have, you have questions. Yeah. So, in the near death experience, what's your belief system? Do you have uh, a religion that you would believe or follow from having that experience? Or no? You know, again, growing up Catholic, it was very much instilled into me. I mean, to the point that my grandmother, like, she volunteered at the church, and the priest and the monsignor from our church came to Sunday dinner at our house every Sunday. So, I mean, we were very ingrained into the um, Catholic uh, background. But because of my near-death experiences, and not only just my near-death experiences, but just a lot of experiences just across the board uh, has really tested what I've been taught. Let's just put it that way. Um, I Do I believe in a God? Absolutely. Do I think it's some white guy with a beard sitting up in the clouds? Not so much. You know, do I believe that there's a creator? 100%. And I think that, you know, a lot of different religions see this creator or their God, you know, how they see them. But I do believe that there's, you know, a creator. I, what it did solidify in me is, you know, I, during my near-death experience as an adult, uh, I found out, I was diagnosed and found out that I had um, an incurable autoimmune illness with no cure that affected me internally. And so they told me, okay, well, you know, the life expectancy is 10 years. You know, yours is a pretty bad case. You know, we'll give you about five years. And I panicked. I absolutely panicked at the beginning. But what I remembered and from my near-death experience was that it wasn't my time. And so things started making more sense because you can see a horrific horrific car accident right on the news where the car is just completely just pulled apart but yet the person walks away with barely a scratch right yeah it was not their time i believe we are all have a birth date and we all have a death date 
And when that time comes, there is absolutely nothing that is going to stop it. It doesn't matter how hard we pray, how hard we beg, how hard we want to live. I don't think it matters. When it's that time, it is that time. Um, but if it's not that time, all of those other things will absolutely work. You know, I believe, I truly believe in prayers. I have seen, but not just prayers, you know, people sending positive energy, you know, um, Reiki, like all different kinds of things. It's, again, if you're in a bad situation, all that stuff can be very great. But again, it was like, okay, I know I'm not going before it's my time. So why am I going to be so worried about when I'm going to go? Yeah. I'm going to stress myself out, which all that's going to do is make me sicker because stress induces my illness and causes it to flare, causes it to accelerate. So why would I put myself through that? I just have to trust that I'm going to be here. I was told in that message and my near death experience, you know, that I had to go in, I had to help people. And I assume that when I complete that mission, <laughs> of what I was supposed to have done at that point, it'll be my time and not until then. So I don't really focus. To, I live every day. Like it's my last, I will tell you my followers on social media hate that because they will see me one week in the hospital near death. And next weekend I'm out and I'm feeling good. And I, you might see me at the bar in Virginia city having a party with all my friends as if I'm partying as it's like my last day. But what people don't understand is, you know, I take every single day, day by day. So when I feel great, I enjoy life. I do whatever I can. And when I can, I slow down. And, you know, that's just how I feel about that, you know, from my personal opinion. Yeah. Where do you think we go when we die? You know, now, when I'm communicating with a lot of spirits, like spirits that are very comforted and they're good, they have crossed over. But the thing is, is that they've never told me where they've crossed over to. Now, I've been told that it's beautiful. They can explain it. But I've never been told by another spirit that I'm in heaven. Now, again, this is just in my own personal experiences. You know, I've also dealt with a lot of spirits that say died very tragically and they didn't know that they died yet or they um, committed suicide although it was completely against their belief system things like that and i've seen them be in a completely different place and they seem to kind of be in this in between stuck place some of them it seems to repeat that last day some of them you know they just reside in in the same location. They don't see any, any change. They don't know that they're, that they've passed. Um, I have encountered, you know, um, human spirits that are very angry and I don't feel like that they crossed over anywhere. They're still like stuck exactly the way that they were when they died. So I think that sometimes a lot of times there's confusion when they get you as an investigator, if you go in and you, don't have the ability to see spirits, um, that you can get something that can be very violent and give you a completely different idea of what you're dealing with. So I agree uh, with you. I agree from communicating with the other side. Um, they don't tell you where they are. 
However, one spirit did tell me that it's just like walking out of your body, it's still roaming the physical realm, able to see, touch, and hear us, and floating. I was able to make contact like that, understanding that part. It's very interesting. And then again, we, there's so many different religions out there. You have to ask yourself, is it the perception of what the person believes, if you're Catholic or Muslim or Christian, that you're going to follow? And when you cross over, that's where you're going to go because you believe it with intent. That's what you followed your whole life. Or is it something that all religions meet up as one universal law? Right. Right. And you know I mean, I guess that's what I like about investigating so much is that, you know, people look at me and they're like, oh, you've investigated and you, you know, this has been your life, your whole life. You know, you, you're an expert. Absolutely not. Like, I have so many more questions. And every time I address something, because even when I have this view of thinking, then we throw in the monkey wrench of, you know, reincarnation. And we have so many testimonies of, you know, children that have come back who have memories of being somebody who was back in World War One or, you know, lived in a different time. So again, do they just choose to come back, you know, and choose not to go wherever? So, I mean, again, it just gives you more and more questions. The more and more you discover, the more and more questions I have more so than answers. <laughs> It's true. It's true. I, always, I always say that. I mean, you just ends up with so many more questions. It, it, yeah. It's true. And again, it doesn't, it's for, especially for investigators, for psychic medium, there is not just some cookie cutter that we all mold that we all fall under because I speak to people all the time and different people have different abilities. Some people have the same abilities, but they connect differently. They have different experiences. I mean, that's why I love working with other teams and and doing radio and, and interviewing so many people because I love to pick their brains and stuff. It's, it, to me, the best part. You know, I have, I have a question that I think a lot of people would like to know the answer to. What, there's so many people in the field that are there are sick that are not well um do you think that it's because of all these years being an investigator that has anything to do with it i 100 percent believe um especially people who've been in it for a long time because when we first started i mean there were no classes there were no handbooks you know it was really trial and error and you know people weren't really understanding, you know, the importance of protection and making sure that before you leave to make sure that, let, that whatever's there, no, they can't follow you, just different precautions, different things you could do. We didn't have anything like that. It, yeah. I didn't have television shows or now you've got like a million books, you know, and, and different things and, you know, a million classes. And, you know, now you've got you know, I used to do paranormal 101 and safety at uh, classes at events, you know. So, again, there's so much that, you know, has changed <laughs> from, you know, when we, you know, everybody first starts getting into it than the way it is now. But I know a lot of people um, that have been in the field for a very long time suffer from 
a lot of illnesses and they do seem to be a lot of autoimmune illnesses as well. Um, so again, I would hope in the future that they would do some kind of research, you know, mm -hmm. on, on stuff like that, because, it, you know, definitely I can tell you that it's one of the things when I'm not feeling good, I don't do readings anymore. When I'm not feeling a hundred percent, I'm definitely not investigating because when I'm not a hundred percent or I'm never going to be a hundred percent, but you know, I'd say 75%. If I'm not feeling really well where I can be strong enough to protect myself and, you know, go in and do what I'm going to do, it will 100% affect me. I could literally can go from, you know, go from an investigation and then two days later, as you know, you've known me for a long time, be in the hospital for three weeks, you know, um, very, very ill. So um, I do, I think there's definitely a correlation and I think that, you know, it's super important for, you know, more so than taking classes. Like I just wish that there's, there's so many teams now. I just wish that more of the teams that have been out there for a long time, you know, would open up their teams and start, you know, offering to mentor other investigators to get them, you know, at least the basics and started. I mean, all the new investigators definitely for all these years have kept me in business for sure, because a good amount of them go from investigator to one of my clients because mm -hmm. they bring something home. But that's not what I want. You know, I would rather that everybody know the correct way. And then you've got these new investigators who don't really know what they're doing, even investigating. And then they decide that they're going to take on, you know, uh, residential clients. Yeah. And that just is one of my pet peeves as well, because you can really screw somebody's whole life up. No, but you're right. There should be some kind of class or something you could do to to, to really learn because you can get hurt and you can hurt you know, your teammates and there's a lot to know. It's not, but you have to start somewhere too. So it's, it's a very tricky, it's a very tricky thing. You got to start somewhere, but then you can't be throwing new people and yourself into, like you said, residential cases and very, very bad locations. Right. Those seem to be, you know, like a favorite. I mean, I've, Never seen so many times on Facebook where somebody will say, oh, where's your, you know, uh, on your bucket list, where do you want to go? And it'll always be something that has like a super dark history, yeah. you know, that everybody, you know, says something happens to them. Like that's the first place they want to go. And I'm just like, wow, like <laughs> I try to stay away from all those, you know, those kinds I, of, I of places. There's certain places that I don't think I would ever put myself into. I, I just wouldn't do it. Um, I do want to get into, so you, you were featured on Ghost Adventures, Union Brewery, and it was location, you know, that was really hard for you. Um, what happened there? Well, the part that was the hardest was being on Ghost Adventures, because anybody who knows me. Yeah, I experience, and what happened, because it was that. It wasn't, it was hard, right? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was just bad all the way around. So it started out that I went up to Virginia City for the first time and I have connections to Virginia City. So first time I had been up there and um, I had met my good friend, now good friend, um, Don, who owns the Union Brewery up there. And at the time when we were going up there, it was the first time I was meeting her. She was like, 
I got to meet her for like an hour. We went to sleep and then we woke up at like four in the morning to head up there in a snowstorm. And so I really didn't know anything. But my other friend who um, had invited her uh, or invited me to go with them was saying, oh, you know, her birthday is the same time as you and she owns a bar up there. Um, would you be interested while we're up there going and walking through the bar and like seeing what you what you think? And to be absolutely honest, every time I go somewhere, somebody's asking me to go and do a reading. So I was like, sure, no problem. So I didn't know anything else about it. I didn't know the history, nothing. It, I just knew Virginia City, the whole town is haunted to the, everywhere. So I'm like, sure, well, I'll go. So we get up there, we go in there. I started out, so it was a horrible ride up there. There was like this snowstorm. I'm a real California girl, so I am not used to cars sliding in snow and all of that. So I thought for sure I was going to meet the maker during that ride up to Virginia City. But we get up there, and so the first thing that we do is we all start having shots because it's St. Patrick's Day. It's right before her birthday, my birthday. We're all up there celebrating, so we start having shots. So everything is going good. And then a group of girl or a group of people came up and had told my friend Don, hey, you know, we'd like to go down in the basement of the of the bar. And so she looks over at me and she said, Hey, do you wanna go over and take a look at my apartment over at the above the bar? Now, sober Christina would have said, No. Uh, we, you know, we can we are well, yeah, Sober Christina would have said yes, that we could do that. Um, and it would have been just fine. But Drunk Christina said, uh, yeah, that's a great idea. We should we should go over there. Like, I'm not thinking nothing about protection, uh, anything. I don't know anything about this place. It's all locked up. So we're having to, like, shimmy through some doors and, and walk up. And so some of the people go downstairs, and I go upstairs with her, and I open the door. And when I open the door, she says, she turns on, she says, do you see anything? And I'm like, right away, I see somebody. I'm like, uh, yeah. And she's like, what, what do you see? Who do you see? And I said, uh, there's a guy here. And she said, what does he look like? <laughs> and so I said it. And as I was explaining what the guy looked like, he's looking at me and I'm looking at him. And he's got this expression on his face like, oh, my God, she can see me. And at that point, he just ran full force and jumped right inside of me. Oh, my God. First time, now my 55, never in my life have I ever had something like that happen. Ever. Uh, I can hear everything that I'm saying. I, I'm moving my hands. I'm talking. But it's not me saying this stuff. And I'm really, it's like, I'm inside and I'm panicking because I don't know what's going on. And I don't know why I'm saying this stuff because I just met this woman and I'm having a full-blown conversation with her saying that, you know, it's me, Nick. I don't know who Nick is, you know, so I'm, and she's like looking at me like I'm crazy. Her eyes well up. She like turns her head like this. And the next thing I know, my hand goes straight out, grabs her by the face like this and like twists her head to like look at me. And I'm literally 
squeezing as hard as I can and I'm screaming in her face. It's me, Nick. It's me. You've got to forgive me. I'm so sorry. It was not me. It was the, it's this building and, you know, on and on. And like, she gets all freaked out. And then all of a sudden I'm like, if you don't believe me, this will make, this will make you believe me or something like that. And I just reach back. And I'm like, again, I've never been in this apartment. I reach back on the table. I pick something up. I put it in her hand. She takes off. She looks at it, bursts into tears, and takes off running. So I go running after. As soon as I go through the double doors, everything is it broke. So I, I'm back to me. Uh, that day was very, again, very crazy night because I never had that happen, nor did I know how I was going to talk to this woman that I just met and explain why I just grabbed her by her face. You know, I'm saying all this stuff. So I, I'm just kind of like completely lost. The next day we talk, she actually ends up telling me she didn't believe in psychic mediums, but she does now. Mm -hmm. um, that Nick happened to be her husband who actually died in the apartment above the bar. And they didn't find him for three weeks. Uh, he was having, they were having paranormal activity in the house prior to his death, uh, which caused them all kinds of issues. It was during construction. So of course we know that they had all kinds of problems, couldn't get it completed. They started noticing like behavioral changes with him. He was becoming very angry, drinking more, you know, um, just all these kind of crazy things. So she now believes me. And this box that I gave her happened to be a pair of cufflinks that she gave him right before they divorced or something like that. So it wouldn't have been anything that I could have known. So the next night we go down and we were supposed to do an investigation and we were going to do an investigation in the basement. Now, again, I don't know anything about this building or anything. I just found out about the guy dying upstairs. So I'm thinking that's what's going on in, in the building, but they're like, no, 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 there's something else in the basement. And it's always the basement. I don't know why it's always the basement guy. Right. That's what I'm just saying. It's like everything got to be down there. Um, so we go down there and I went down there with three other people and I did not, I've never investigated with them. I knew one of them, not the other two, but I never investigated with any of them. We get down there immediately. I feel sick to my stomach. I don't feel right. And immediately I see these two little girls under the staircase. I go talk to them. They're telling me this whole story that how they were, you know, killed there. Their moms worked there um, and that the guy won't let them leave. But I never see physically see a man. I do see this black, what looked almost like a black silk type of material kind of float over. And as soon as it got to where we were at, bam, I was completely paralyzed, could not move, could not do anything. And mind you, at this point, I'm sitting underneath the stairs. And again, I can hear everything around me, but I cannot move a muscle. I can't speak. And I'm thinking, okay, like I'm investigating with these other three people. Eventually, they're going to come get me, right? And I hear one of them say, oh, you know, where's Christina? 
and somebody else says, oh, I think she's over there meditating or trying to get in her trance. You know, she's a psychic. And in my brain, I'm like, dummies, like, I don't have to get into a trance. It doesn't work like that. Like, somebody come help me. No, they literally left me in that corner for like a whole hour. Eventually, that breaks. I go over, have another encounter with a woman there, which she used to be a prostitute there, I guess, and was the mother of the children. Um, So that all ends. Later on, of course, because she's allowing people to investigate, this thing is getting worse and worse and worse. And she's having more problems and more problems and more problems. So the whole thing with her husband, I was like, you know, he just wants to be recognized. He just wants, you just want your forgiveness. She wasn't ready. Eventually she did. She put like their wedding picture back up. Everything calmed down in her apartment. But downstairs, everything was getting worse. So she called me one day and said, hey, I need your help. And I said, sure, what? And she's like, "Uh, I need you to come up. Um, Zach from Ghost Adventures is going to come up here to do an investigation up here and I need you to be part of it and I was like oh no sorry I can't do that (laughs) I'm like have you not heard my show like we're not we're not friends so she says I really I really 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 need you to do it because if you like you're not going to be part of it they're not going to do it now this didn't make any sense to me so I'm just like so eventually they have a producer call me and they're like yeah we're like we really need you to be but part of this. And so it kind of like just happened. It was just like random things. Like it wasn't planned. It just happened. Right. 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 So I'm just like, um, I don't know if you've ever, if you know anything about me or know about my show, like you might not want me on your show. And so they were like, no, 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 it'll be fine. So we ended up having an agreement where I would not film was that, that was the whole thing, is we would have no filming together. And I would just do my little part and boom, be good. So I agreed, go up there before I know it, all of a sudden, that night, the day before we're supposed to film, I get there, three in the morning, I find out that my best friend had just been murdered. Oh. And I have to film the very next morning. Oh my goodness. I go there, we do, they pushed it out till the, like later in the afternoon, I did the investigation. Uh, of course, they wanted to go to the basement the very first. So we went down to the basement. And as soon as I went down there, whatever this thing was down there told me to get out. And it was very serious. And I kept saying, like, I can't be down here. We got to go. Like, I had to get out of there. So I get out of there. I go up. And as we're going up the stairs into the bar, I go around the corner and next thing I, that's all I remember. Now, obviously from the episode and from everybody who was there, um, there were multiple witnesses that said they saw a black shadow come up the stairs, go right past them and go directly into me. And that's when I collapsed. And I almost felt like it was an attack for coming back and doing this. Yeah. So, um, I will say it. There's only one other place that I've been to that has like really kind of scared me like that. I don't get scared very often. That is one thing with me. So it's got to be something definitely different. Um, I still go there. 
Um, I'm not going to let it run me off. I'm not going to let it see, you know, the fear, but I am very careful. I normally do not go in the basement when I go there. I have also given her um, very good advice to not allow. She gets, ever since that was on television, she gets a lot of people wanting to investigate there. Yeah. And I've told her, like, please don't. You know, she rarely stays up there. She's got a lot of stuff that still goes on. And again, the two of you, you know, living in a place where you've got activity, you guys can understand. I mean, it's she can leave. You guys can't. You know, it's your home. That's her second home. So, um, yeah, yeah, we don't want she and she's had a lot of teams prior to any of this, you know, because she was just looking for help come down. And one of the things like I picked up down there is that they had done like rituals. They had opened a portal in there. These people didn't know what they're doing. So it just opened a portal of a lot of other things coming through. So, which I believe is why everything has kind of increased there. Sometimes you have to learn the hard way, you know, because you're right. The more activity, the more people in there, the more things are going to stir up. So let me say, Pamela Phillips, don't jump into anything before knowing what you're jumping into. Yes. Um, Tia, you have to recharge after. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's true. It's, yeah. it's and, you know, unfortunately, in our field, you don't always know what you're jumping into. And even when you think you know what you're jumping into, it can be each time, it could be completely different. So it's very hard. You know, I mean, I can see what I'm dealing with 99% of the time. But like, this is something that I, I can't see, which again, makes me believe what I'm dealing with is not human. Um, yeah. so I don't know. It's, you know, it's again, you deal, not any case is exactly the same. You know, yeah. it's just, everybody thinks that everything is so cookie cutter. Like you can just go in and you can, you know, just do some sage or, you know, you can yeah, throw right. some holy water around. Well, I will tell you, if you're, if the people that you're, their clients, they don't, they say they're atheists, right? And you go walking around throwing some holy water. Oh, it is absolutely not going to work. It's there is no. They don't care. Not these things don't care about that. Number one and number two, it's for us anyway. It's always made it worse. Correct. It's Correct. always made so. it worse. But you know, I do want to mention that we've heard from the little birdie that you might be coming back, bringing your show back. <laughs> I mean, you want to tell us where and when? <laughs> You know, yeah, so I had to take a, I've taken about a three year hiatus. Um, I had got COVID and almost died, lost my mother, like a lot of things happened. And to be absolutely honest, I just thought like, who still wanted to listen to this, the show? There's so many out there. And I, people just kept emailing me and messaging me about when I was going to come back. So I put a post out, got a lot of activity on it. So I reached back out to my, well, one of my, you know, um, homes for a very, very long time right here at UPRN and reached out to Joe and said, you know, Hey, looking to said, bring the show back. back. And he said, that's what he said. The door's open. Wait, you know, let's see what we can, what day and time we can get you. So 
I am just waiting for um, a day and time slot to be issued, but it looks like we'll be starting. Um, I'm sorry. We're starting um, the show in uh, next month. Good. Well, congratulations. Awesome. And that is awesome. And you know what? The one thing that we like about your show is that you interview people, you put people on the spot, but you do it very, you know, gracefully. Uh, how do I how do I say this? Like, everybody knows your show. The people that know your show, they know that, you know, you will take people that maybe you don't like that much or you got something to say and you give them a chance to explain their side which is very admirable and you do it professionally and gracefully and that's I think I love it well I appreciate that I mean for the most part I like to you know focus on different topics and different people yeah. and field experiences uh different things like that but you know there's as we all know, a lot of drama in this field. And, you know, so when a lot of people come to me, I will usually bring the sides on and let them explain if they'd like. Yeah. But the one thing you always know about my show is that I always have all the receipts to back it up. Mm -hmm. So if I ask you a question live on the air, you probably want to tell me the truth because yeah, the show is completely you different. You do it in a great way. In a well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I don't know that everybody will think, you know, thinks that way. <laughs> I was good. You know what I'm thinking, but yeah, it's not a certain person. <laughs> you didn't want to feel let's, let's talk about. Um, let's talk about. First, I want to tell everybody that something very bizarre happened to me, and I'm going to ask Chris, Christina George because I know I spoke to you years ago that something similar happened to you. So we know as paranormal investigators that. Spirits communicate through electronics, cell phones, computers, radios, televisions. Well, four days ago, I'm on TikTok because I love TikTok. It's just funny and, um, and it can be entertaining. And then all of a sudden, my phone freezes and TikTok somehow calls 911. So my phone shuts down. Police come to my door a few minutes later. And he says, their emergency has, no, I didn't call you. TikTok did. Now, it sounds bizarre. It, it really does. And I have the video clip um, of the coming to the house and everything. But so is that an instigator as a spirit? That's what I feel like. It's I, I get like a complete jokester energy from this, for sure. I mean, you just cannot make this up. <laughs> Um, all different ways. I mean, again, most of the time I can see them. So they'll just, you know, talk to me like you're talking to me. Some of the times it's just, I'll just hear what they're saying and I don't get a voice to put to it. I will tell you, I am at work as you probably can see. And I work in a old historic building. And it is very haunted. And in fact, most of our town down here is haunted. But we have this one. And I've got a um, guy who comes down here all the time. And when I don't pay attention, like the other day I had my boss here. We're in the middle of a meeting. And my adding machine started, like, printing by itself. Not, like, just random. Like, it was adding and adding and totaling up and, and different numbers. And so, like, my boss looks. Now, mind you. Most of the time, I can't tell people what I do. 
but my very first day of work here, I'm walking around the property and everybody's got a note on their door. And so one of the residents came and gave it to my boss and it had said, this dude, I'm from so-and-so from this apartment. And I just wanted to know if anybody in this building is experiencing any paranormal activity because I know I am and I can't be the only one. If so, please email me. And so my boss like reads this and all of a sudden she's like, realize what she just read it's my first day so she's like oh my gosh we gotta get these down right now and I'm so sorry I don't want to scare you off or anything and I was like oh, okay <laughs> about that yeah it's not gonna scare me you know until so I explain so they think it's completely amazing so when this happened it freaked out my my boss and then I'm sitting here the other day and all of a sudden my copier shoots out a piece of paper and I'm thinking it's like the fax transmittal paper you know um, review and I picked it up and it just said hello written on it so they, they use all kinds of stuff there you go that's amazing yeah. it's crazy how all that works they could definitely manipulate electronics Christina George oh, I know sure. on your show 2015 and we talked about this about how they you having issues with your cell phone. I remember you saying that you go through a lot of phones. I still do. I still do. I still don't wear a watch. Um, I still, when I investigate, don't use any electronics. The I literally just use myself. I let the rest of my team do all the electronics because literally you give it to me, it's probably going to fritz and yeah. I'm going to destroy it. So I'm not, I'm not allowed to touch the expensive equipment. <laughs> That's wow. why you said that because when I was talking to you before, my phone freeze. Like I had to shut it all off, restart the whole thing, and I was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" That's amazing. Don't tell you, my show used to be notorious for EVPs coming through while I was doing the show, mm -hmm. and people in the chat room would say, "Oh my god, did you just hear that?" And we're, you know, I'm hearing it, but I'm trying to act like, "Oh, probably nobody else hears it, right?" They're just probably saying something to me. Oh no, yeah, it was. For a very long time, like people would come and say, oh, gosh, did you hear that? And then they would say, you know, the whole audio and dissect it and bring it back to me saying, oh, look, right here. Look what it says. It's so crazy. Yeah. Well, Christina, we're coming to the end of the show. Uh, we want to thank you for coming on tonight. We love you. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I, what? Wait. Oh, no. I have one more important question that the world wants to, to know. They want to call That the world wants to know. Christina... With all the supposedly balloons up in the sky and all over the news, as a psychic medium, what are we dealing with? I think these are man-made. Man -made. Not UFOs, guys, sorry. I wish, and you know, being a ufologist myself, I so wish that I could say yes, that I thought it was alien technology, but nah, I get complete. You, I think that there's going to be a whole lot of BS that's going to be put out there to try to manipulate us to think differently um, coming very soon, but no, not an I agree, yeah. I agree because um, one of the um, generals said today, well, if it's UFOs and we shot it down that quick, then there is no worry. And Could us knowing that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If our technology right, is better right than the aliens, we're in trouble. Yeah, that was another hour show. <laughs> well, again, Christina, where can everybody find you? 
So um, on Facebook, you can go to Paranormal Connections Radio Show, or my private page is uh, Christina George. It's under Paranormal Investigator 916. Uh, and my email is paranormalinvestigator916 at gmail.com. Great. Okay. Well, thank you so much again for coming on. Thank you, everybody in chat. Thank you so much for participating. I see you all. Thank you. Um, special thank you to Carnation for fully sponsoring the show. We love them. They've been sponsoring the show from day one. Uh, please join us next Monday night at the same time on the United Public Radio Network on 105.3 FM and 107.5 FM from New Orleans. And stay tuned for The Missing Piece with Trish Mel. So thank you again, Christina. Thank you, everybody. And have a great night. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Bye. We love you. Bye.